Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. A suit sent me a text saying, I'm going to start a Susquehanna Valley Curling Club at Montour Preserve next winter. Some people just know how to invent fun. It sounds pretty nice, but it has to be cold enough for a long duration to keep the ice, you'd think. Might as well just say it's at an undisclosed location. Wow. That is a sprawling complex out there. Perfect for curling, I'm sure. Uh, We're going to get, what, Amy Dash here in a few minutes? Yeah, we're trying to connect with her as we speak. Very nice. Our play-by-play call of the day. Virginia Tech beats Duke at Castle. Bibbs hop step, fires it left wing for Alexander Walker. Blow by, long jumper, no good. But Clark with the stick back on the other side. Tech leads with four seconds to play. Grayson Allen racing into the front court. Launches a three. No good. It's no good. The Hokies are dancing in Blacksburg, Mikey. And they should be dancing for the second time in back-to-back seasons. They've had a great year. I think they're now ten and seven in the league. That should that should be enough to get them there. That should be enough to get them there. Great win for Buzz Williams and his team as they beat Duke last night, sixty-four to sixty-three. Yeah. In fact, usually beating Duke vaults you into the top ten of the poll. Yeah, but you're eight and seventeen now. You're in the top ten. You beat Duke. It's that Duke-Notre Dame syndrome I talk about when it comes to the polls. He beat Notre Dame, you you vault up five, six, seven, ten spots. You beat Duke, you vault up ten spots. Um, but, yeah, big win for Virginia Tech last night. It was courtesy of the IMG Virginia Tech Radio Network. Joe Lenardi will be on the show on Thursday. He'll join me. Uh, the show will be in New York. I'm trying to think it I don't think this will be the first time we've done this show in New York, isn't it? In Manhattan. I mean we, I did it in Brooklyn. We did the show in Brooklyn. We've never done the show from Manhattan that way. I think this will be a first. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, how about that? Show's been everywhere. Phoenix, Los Angeles, Chicago, Indianapolis, New York, Brooklyn. Front Street Station. I mean, you know, it's been everywhere. Oh, stop laughing. Penn's Tavern? You know, at Penn's Tavern, did we have a good time that day? Wheels, me, Tom, everybody. We had a great time out there. Uh, Corey brought the pickles, served them up. It was perfect. Um, i trying to think there was one thing that went wrong that day. Can you remember what happened, what that was? Hmm. Uh, Not that I can think of. 
Oh, yeah, the suit showed up. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, everybody kept looking out toward the river to see if he was going to show up by boat, which quite a few people do when they go to Penn's Tavern to eat. I know. I thought that was that is the neatest. I have looking out at that dock when we were sitting there. I mean, it was a bright, sunny day. It was in, it was in August. Bright, sunny day. Beautiful day. So Wheels and I are having a great time. You're having a great time. We had a great audience there. Food was fabulous. Setting. I kept looking out at that dock during the show, and I kept waiting for somebody to just pull up and like, hey, I'm here. Kind of like a Tennessee football game or a Washington football game where they pull up to the dock. Really, really, really cool. Uh, we'll be talking with Amy Dash, CBS Sports legal analyst here in a few minutes. Can't imagine what we'd talk about. Just kidding. 5,000 things going on, it seems. But, uh, yeah. And the Big Ten tournament begins tomorrow, but for Penn State it begins on Thursday when they take on Northwestern at 6.30 Six o'clock will be the airtime. Both teams have injuries. Mike Watkins, of course, for Penn State and for uh, Northwestern, it looks like Vic Law is not going to be able to play uh, in the game. Vic Law is a good player. He's a 12.6 rebound a game guy, good inside out player. Uh, and then Jordan Ash is definitely out too. He's not going to be able to play. Now we'll have to see how. Bryant McIntosh is. You know I'm a big Bryant McIntosh guy. He's just a gutsy, gutsy kid. Plays at a high level, plays with a lot of energy, but he's also had that shoulder problem too. But he did play the last couple games. But they've been banged up. And we don't know what we're going to see from them. Uh, When Penn State played them on the 5th of January, man-to-man. When they played them on the 20th of January, it was all zone. Now, when you watch them play, they played a little bit of zone, but they're back to playing a lot of man-to-man. So I, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll do the show from New York. Uh, let's see, I'll do the show here tomorrow. Then I'll go to Manhattan uh, tomorrow night. Do the show in Manhattan on Thursday with Joe Lenardi on the show. And then, uh, as soon as I'm done with the show, over to Madison Square Garden to do the Penn State Northwestern game. Very pleased to be joined by... Amy Dash of CBS Sports. She's the CBS Sports legal analyst and also the host of the Straight Aim podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts. Amy, thank you very much for your time. I know it's valuable. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, obviously, this NCAA basketball probe actually began with a Securities and Exchange Commission uh, series of, of allegations in Pittsburgh, which then led to, gee, what else do you know? So when you, exactly see them, right. when you see them release names along the way, players, coaches, and so forth, who's actually – what's the difference between being in – who would be in NCAA trouble, which I already know, versus who mm-hmm. actually is in legal trouble based on the names we see? Well, they've charged a bunch of assistant coaches, um, and they've also charged some, a financial advisor and a runner for an agent. So, but are you talking about who could potentially face charges? Because I'm not even sure that the people that are facing charges committed crime. I'm still trying to figure out 
how this is going to go over in court because it's really a very unique circumstance. They've never brought a case like this under the laws that they're bringing them under, uh, some of which are meant for prosecuting corrupt politicians. So a lot of there's a big argument to be made that these merely are just NCAA violations and there were no federal crimes at all. Right, and what's interesting to me is the how they laid it out is that there are a lot of layers to this. And you mentioned mm-hmm. several of the layers, runners, AAU coach, uh, agent, assistant coach, player. That part seems to have been, at least on the surface, thorough. What did you think of it? Well, the AAU coach, Jonathan Brad Augustine, who they had originally charged, they've dropped all charges against him because right. he's cooperating. So I'm expecting that he will probably be testifying against some of these other characters. They had to drop a couple of charges against the Adidas executive because, and, and they didn't even do it as part of a plea deal, and he's not cooperating. They had to because they had brought charges that, that prosecutors realized probably wouldn't hold up in court. So now he's just facing one charge, and he could end up with probation. So we see a lot of the charges dropping off. However, on the flip side, a lot of the defendants tried to have all of the charges dismissed recently, and that was denied by a judge. So the judge thinks that there are victims here, the victim being the university. But my perspective is the the university hasn't suffered a loss because the NCAA hasn't ruled that its teams would be ineligible or that there'd be a loss of scholarships or money yet. So I don't see how the charges can be brought so preemptively. But the government obviously has a different take, and they think that all these people were part of a conspiracy to defraud the university. And the legal theory behind that is they're saying that these coaches should have known that if they're taking money, they're violating the rules, and therefore they're putting the university at risk. Right. But that's an NCAA rule. That's not the law. Yeah, and what I ta- I had a uh, episode of my podcast released today where I talk with Rick Catino's lawyer about these very legal issues, and, and he's on board with the fact that the NCAA decides when to punish for what. So if you're criminalizing things that are leading to NCAA violations, well, then you're really leaving it up to the NCAA to decide what's criminal and what isn't, and that's really the whole problem with the government's theory. You cover these issues all the time. We've seen at the beginning of the season was the first, quote, information dump. Then right after they released the top 16 seeds was the next information dump. Then it was last week. So by my thought, is right before the NCAA selection, we may see another one. But what, I mean, in your experience, Amy, what's the purpose behind doing this? Well, somebody leaked those expense reports from the agent to Yahoo, and they shouldn't have, and people were surprised that it was leaked because these are small, this is like small beans compared to the information that they have because even if you're talking about just the wiretaps alone, there's 3,000 hours over hundreds of days. So there's a massive amount of information which right now is supposed to be under seal by the court which is very, very serious if you're leaking confidential information that's been put under a protective order for sealing by the court. So whoever Amy, did that could get in big trouble. Right. A- Amy, the original, as I started out, the original was a man in Pittsburgh, Securities and Exchange Commission, and to get a reduced sentence, what do you know? And I guess he wore a wire for a while. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, he was defrauding athletes, apparently. 
He was representing right. athletes and mismanaging and stealing their money. And when he was has, caught, he decided to go undercover. Has his sentence been solved? And if so, how much? And if it was, was it reduced because of the information he gave? He got a reduction. I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that that his his may be still being worked out. But I don't honestly, I don't know what his sentence is. He's, he's sort okay. of an ancillary. He's an ancillary character. <laughs> but what I am wondering is, I'm wondering if it was his idea to go undercover and give all these people up. Or if the FBI was already on to the whole college basketball underground culture and they just needed somebody to be their mole. All right, let me ask you this then. <laughs> it's college basketball. Why is the FBI interested in it? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Um, I think the FBI likes to obviously expose corruption and prosecute people who are breaking the law. But because this is such a unique case, we don't know if, in fact, any laws were broken. What they're trying to say is that there were there was fraud, that these coaches were engaged in schemes to defraud the university. I think the reason why they're bringing it is because the universities are, a lot of them are public, and so taxpayers are paying the salaries in part of some of these coaches or funding the scholarships. And so I think that's the reason why they're behind this at this juncture is because they're saying that these universities have a lot at stake, and obviously if these coaches are using their positions of power and influence to not only break the rules but give uh, unallowed benefits to different players, then who's going to suffer in the end if they're caught? The university, therefore the taxpayers are going to suffer, and so I think that's why they're trying to prosecute some of that. Which then brings me to another part. Now, some of the the amounts reported in that legislative uh, sheet that I read, they're uh, they're small. You and I both know it. Then there are others, like seventy three thousand. The wiretap yeah. with with Arizona allegedly it's one hundred thousand dollars. Is this something the IRS mm-hmm. needs to be interested in? Um, potentially, potentially. But I think that things are going to play out first with the FBI. I'm surprised with John Miller that. He hasn't been brought up on charges. I'm surprised with that Louisville coach who was apparently in a Las Vegas hotel room and was part of the exchange of money toward a recruit, that he hasn't been brought up on charges. So I'm wondering how many more coaches are on the wiretaps and why haven't they been charged yet? Because it seems that if if Sean Miller was talking about the same thing that some of these other assistant coaches were talking about, which is um, passing money, then then he's also trying to defraud the university. So why would they be brought up on honest services fraud and not him? The only thing I can think of is the coaches that were charged were actually taking money for themselves personally, whereas some of these other coaches, when you're talking about Louisville and Arizona and even Miami, and some people think Rick Pitino's involved, though there's no evidence with him, but, but when you're talking about passing money to recruits, the coaches themselves aren't actually taking the money. So that may be why no charges have been brought against them yet. Finally, I know we have to let you go, and I appreciate this very much, uh, but you are a CBS Sports legal analyst, right? As I pointed out, straight aim, podcast, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. Did you ever think there would be such a great need along the way for a sports legal analyst <laughs> like there is now? It's funny because I've been doing this for three years, yep. but I think that the scandals have just gotten bigger and bigger over the past year, 
And so I was actually working as a legal analyst, and maybe I'd get a call like once or twice a month. Um, sometimes there would be months when I wouldn't get a call, and then there'd be a big scandal like Deflategate with Tom Brady, and I'd be on the phone, you know, multiple times a month. But then it would die off, so it really comes in waves. Um, but lately, it's just been one thing after another, and so that's when CBS <laughs> gave me the title of their legal analyst, is when the whole, right before the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing scandal broke. And, and then right after that was the NCAA bribery scandal, so it's just nonstop. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I really just fell into it because I started covering mixed martial arts. And who would have thought that you'd need a legal analyst for mixed martial arts? Amazing. Well, you do great work. We appreciate the time you gave us and the information you gave us to kind of guide everybody along as to what they're reading and seeing right now. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. That's Amy Dash, CBS Sports Legal Analyst and host of the Straight Aim Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, I believe the suit is going to be doing a curling podcast coming up. Mm, okay. And uh, Insert sponsor here. Well, let's, no, let's just check the traffic on it. Oh, seems to be a bit thin. Uh, we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Yeah, you need a sports legal analyst these days. You do. It's the way it is. Uh, and you know me. I'd rather just talk about the games, the players, the strategy, things like that. I mean, yeah. Um, but you can't do that these days. I remember when I first got ESPN in my house in the early 80s, and Sal Marciano, I think think that was his end line, he would go, that's either him or George Grand, and they would say, you know, those are just some of the games people are playing. Well, (laughs) a lot more more playing going on outside of of the games, and man, that's, that's morphed into something great for her in the past three years. Oh, no, it has. I mean, she was, they had her on the MMA beat. Really? I mean, that's... Wow. You know, you... Now, I mean, you have to... I mean, you have to... You have to know these things out on the air. I mean, people have to know from someone who has a better background what we're seeing and what we're reading. And I'll go back. I'm not here to pick on the greatest basketball player on the planet. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But in other words, LeBron James' conversation with the media talking about how corrupt the NCAA is. Okay, that's fine. You can have. There's no issue at all, none, about having a frank discussion about whether you think the NCAA is corrupt or not. That's fine. That's a topic worthy of discussion and opinion bringing up expanding the G League great proposition great idea worthy of discussion and opinion but the part that he left out was that you know these guys you know I you know I couldn't afford to go whatever LeBron it's not the NCAA that's keeping them from going to the league 
they have to go to school for one year or overseas for a year until they're 19 and one year removed because it's what your league that you work in and your players association where you pay dues to, that's what they negotiated. He either didn't know that. He either did not know that. Or conveniently left it out. So, I mean, you can backhand the NCAA. That's low-hanging fruit. But you can't sit there and talk about how corrupt the system is when one of the reasons they can't jump from high school to college is because of your system. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us. All right, let's take a look at, they talk about the Pirates and money. Now, some of these, some of this info is two years old, but at least gives you a ballpark. The Pirates' uh, television revenue is $25 million. Um, it's a ten. I believe it's a ten-year deal. So I think it still has three years to run. Started out at eighteen. It's now moved up to twenty-five million dollars a year. All right now, that's not the same as, for example, the Rays. The Rays, their deal is. I think. I think their media deals are worth like forty-five million now, which is amazing. And then they also get obviously I think they get I think the pirates get like forty million or something like that in the revenue sharing pool. So now we're at sixty five million. Now you add in the fifty million, which is the lump sum of the sale of the digital media company BamTech. Right? Now you're at hundred and fifteen million dollars. That's $115 million before you have even sold a ticket, a parking space, or a hot dog. You already got $115 million. You haven't done anything yet. $115 million. That's before you've done anything. That's an amazing number. And then when your salary base is 83, you're already 32 million up and haven't sold a ticket yet. So I found a story from Forbes back in 2014. Uh, dealing with the Phillies. It turns out it was back in 
about four years ago, that's when they signed their current TV deal. That was a 25-year deal worth $5 billion. And that's with, of course, back Comcast. then it was... Yeah, of course, back then it was with yeah. Comcast Sportsnet Philly, but now they've rebranded yeah. as NBC Sports Philly. But, of course, there's that's Comcast. So. Right, it's Comcast. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers get more local TV revenue than anybody. Then it's the Angels, then the Yankees, then the Red Sox, then, believe it or not, Seattle. Yeah, the, then the Cubs, Houston, and the Phillies are in the top ten. Then Texas. Yeah, the Dodgers deal was also the their current deal was also a a twenty five year deal which was kicked in back in twenty fourteen right. with eight point three five billion dollars. Right. Now last is Tampa, Miami, Colorado, the Royals, the Brewers, then the Pirates. So it'd be thirty, twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty six, twenty five. The Pirates would be twenty five on that list. The Phillies, <laughs> excuse me, would be four, six, eight. Now, Philadelphia is a bigger city, too, and having Comcast there is a huge plus. So you're at a much bigger market, and you've also got the dudes down the street from you. That doesn't hurt. But the BAM tech money is the part that's got to be a sticking point. Between revenue sharing money, which is about forty forty five million in BAM tech, that's ninety five million. That's really I don't care what anybody says, that's really hard to explain to your fan base, isn't it? Now I know they're working under a budget, and you know, Frank Coonley and I know Frank Coonley. Frank Coonley is you know, I really I personally really like Frank. And uh you know, they've got to work under certain parameters. I got that. I thought it was interesting, the conversation that you and Rob Beertemple from The Athletic had last week talking about uh, just the way the Nuttick family spends their money. It's just the, the plan that they have in place uh, Yeah, is it's a plan that's not going to get them in trouble with Major League Baseball. No, it's not going to get them in trouble with Major League Baseball. Um the question is, will it get them in trouble with their fans? They have an absolutely fabulous ballpark. Have you been to the park? A couple times. Absolutely beautiful. I think it's the nicest ballpark I've ever been in. And I think Philadelphia has a great... I love Philadelphia. So I love Citizen Bank Park. Yep, so do I. Something about Pittsburgh's a little bit better. You know I grew up on Fenway Park. Well, there's the ambiance of, like, you're at Fenway Park, but at the same time... There's still parts of Fenway Park that are, yes, 106 years old. Okay, well, just leave it at that. Um, as opposed to this palace in Pittsburgh, which is just gorgeous. I, I got a chuckle. Out, I got a chuckle out of this recently. They're talking about the the uh, all the parks in the National League East. Citizens Bank Park's the oldest. <laughs> it's the oldest. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I have not had a chance to go to Nationals Park. I've driven past it. I've seen it, but I've not never been in it. I heard it was beautiful. And I've driven past City Field. Never been in that either. So, but you're right with PNC Park in Pittsburgh, just the way it's laid out, uh, right alongside the river, pointed toward the skyline. And I mean, for if it was a day like you know today for baseball, then oh, absolutely yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous, yep. Gorgeous, gorgeous, no doubt. So they've got a lot going for the franchise. And you know what? And the fan base, which in the 70s was one of the worst, 
in terms of numbers. Oh, and please, you know, if you want to call up and debate with me, really drawing 1.3 million fans, not really great for for some of the best teams in the in in baseball at that time. They were drawing nobody back then, and. What's interesting is that uh, they've got so much going for them, but they, they you create these small windows of opportunity with the way they're running the franchise. And they just went through one and they went out of one where they got really good. They won 98 games. People forget a couple of years ago they won 98 games. But you knew they could not hold on to McCutcheon. You knew they couldn't hold on to Cole. Eventually, they're not going to be able to hold on to Polanco. I mean, eventually. Not now, but eventually. I mean, they create these windows where they don't re-sign people. And so they're constantly young. They're constantly trying to fill gaps. And it's it's not an easy way to live. So, all right. So that's that story. Uh, let's see. Tony Carr made Big Ten All-First Team. Uh, Mike Watkins, Lamar Stevens, honorable mention. Watkins and Reeves were both. Josh Reeves were on the all-defensive team. So uh, 40% of that happens to be Penn State players. And then Julia Moore got the sportsmanship honor. So that was announced yesterday. So where is the program? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to... I was interviewed by Andy Katz for his podcast, I don't know, what, six weeks ago? And Andy said, Steve, you know, in your experience there, what what do you think are reasonable expectations of success? And the important part to that to me was reasonable. And I started out with this. I said, if you can consistently get the program to finish between four and seven, so you don't necessarily have to win the Big Ten Championship. Because of the NCAA tournament, the key is to get yourself in the neighborhood of the at-large, which means consistently finishing between four and seven. Now, this year, Penn State finished sixth. They are the number seven seed because of a tiebreaker, but they finished sixth with a 9-9 nine and nine conference record. Penn State has won 20 games or more nine times in the total history of the program. Nine. If they were to win on Thursday, it would be the tenth time ever and the first time in nine years. They've already won five more games in the regular season this year than last year. They won three more conference games this year than last year. But the biggest difference between Penn State this year and some of the other years I referenced is that in the great years for Penn State they have been older teams in 91 when they went to the NCAAs it was Money Brown and Freddie Barnes and Dave Deggett's they were all juniors and Jimmy Barnes was a senior when they went in 96, Secunda was a fifth-year senior. Matt Gaudio was a fifth-year senior. To go with Earl and Lasicki and Calvin Booth. When they went in 2001, Titus Ivory senior, Joe Crispin senior, Jazzy Klein Hurd senior. 
when they went to the NCAA tournament in 2011, Jeff Brooks Sr., David Jackson Sr., Andrew Jones Sr., Taylor Battle Sr., those were all older teams that got there. Now, the only one of the four I just referenced, the only one that was not a 20-game winner, excuse me, two of them were not 20-game winners, 2001 was. Uh, 2011 was now. It was a 19-game winner. So now with a sophomore-dominated team, Stevens, Carr, Bostic, Watkins, to go with Reeves, a junior, a senior in Garner, freshman in Wheeler. There's your core seven guys. This is a different dynamic than what I'm used to seeing at Penn State. There's still that margin of error to deal with, and that's where we come back to what happened with Watkins. This team was built in a certain way. Athletic center, look, Penn State's had some really good centers over the years. Ed Fogel was really good. John Amechi was really good. Calvin Booth was really good. Obviously, Amechi and Booth both played in the NBA. But they've never had a guy like this. Each one of them could do certain things that Mike does, but not everything the way Mike does. So you built it with a center, sophomore. A stretch four power forward, sophomore. Point guard, sophomore. X-factor, junior. Senior shooter, then off the bench, sophomore, freshman, and, of course, Julia Moore is a senior. Now when you lose part of that, because next year, that's when the depth is coming in next year. You know, the recruiting class was Watkins-Reeves, tremendous, great start. Followed up the next year by Carr, Stevens, Bostic. Okay, now you've got a foundation. This year you've filled some gaps, Wheeler's going to be a player. I think Harris is going to help them out down the road. He won't be a star or anything, but he'll help them out. Right? And now you bring in Dredd and Bolden, who both have incredible reputations. That's three out of four recruiting classes in a span that show some potential level of sustainability. So that's where they are. And I know everyone wants to flip the switch overnight. Believe me, broadcasting the games, you don't want to see me. You, know, you don't think that I want to wake up every year feeling like I'm going to the NCAA tournament? Of course I do. But I also realize, as someone who has lived this out every day, and don't tell me for 36 years I haven't lived this out. I have. You've watched it. I've lived it out. I do know how hard it has been to get to this point. We'll take a break. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. I looked at the um, sign-up sheet for the uh, Suits curling team. A lot of blank spaces, man. Mm. Probably one person he could get on on his team would be uh, Laura Scott, half of the morning show on the other side of the glass on 94KX. I heard her say about a week or two ago that that's the next thing she wants to learn. She wants to learn how to, she wants to, learn how to curl. I've come to the conclusion that Laura Scott is one of the most interesting women on the radio. And she scaled Nepal last November, took a few weeks off and traveled to the other end of the world. Loves horseback riding. Married a guy who's a smart entrepreneur. Oh, she's not married to the suit. Okay. No. <laughs> oh. What are you trying to do, break the internet or what? <laughs> oh, that would break that, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hmm. yeah, yeah. She said the yeah. She she's she put that on her hit list long before the uh, American team won the gold medal. Wow, so, I'm impressed. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Very nice. Very nice. I wouldn't put uh, it past her. Probably something she'd do. Yeah. So. Uh, Daniel sent me. Uh, How's Suit Light doing? No, it's not him. Uh, Daniel sent me a note asking, "Do I ever see Lavar Arrington?" Oh, an email. Okay, yes, yeah, we did yeah, get an email. Yep. Steve Jones at wkok dot com. Drop yeah. us a line anytime. I usually see Lavar once or twice a year, and uh, to be honest with you, he always acts like we're long lost friends. I just I personally like him. I mean, I've always liked him. But he uh he was here for 3 years. Then of course he was the second overall pick in the draft by the Redskins. This place means a lot to him. Not a little. This place here means a lot to him. He's carved out a really nice radio career. He's done really well with that. He's carved out a really nice TV career. Yeah, oh, look, he's 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 articulate, he's funny. Uh, knowledgeable does does a great job with all this stuff. But I usually uh, he asked uh, how how often I talk to him. I usually talk to him probably at least a couple times a year. Yeah, when NFL Network started to, to dive into live morning TV, 
Uh, yeah, LeVar played a big part in that show, NFL AM. Unfortunately, yeah. the show didn't really get a lot of ratings. Now, Good Morning Football that's on now is doing very yeah. well. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he was really good on NFL AM. Really good. Really good. But, yeah, um, every time I talk to him, he's doing well. And like I said, I usually talk to him a couple times a year. And enjoy talking to him. I just, you know, I just enjoy talking to him. He's, uh, let's see, uh, the Steelers just can't stay out of trouble. Just can't. I know where you're going. I saw the story too. Chick Fil A, Snapchat video. Chick Fil A got little kids. This kid's like eight years old. No wonder the lines are so long at Chick Fil A. Well, I guess now that it was, he's been bullied at school over this. So they're zoning. And no offense, but I don't know what Sean Davis is talking about. Have you ever? I've never waited at a Chick fil A, have you? Uh, sometimes. Um, there's no, the one, I get, there's I, the one in State no. College. I, there's, well, I, I, there was one I time where they had a really big crowd, and I wasn't in a hurry. I, so I, there's, No, yeah. I, I, I go through the drive thru, which is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I go through the drive thru, and I lunch my way through the drive thru. I'll order. They have it waiting for me the second I get to the window. Mm hmm. I'm never waiting at the window. What the he talking about? Now, that aside, that's not the issue here. The issue here is the youngster, the young person, who has been bullied by others because of the Instagram. What you think is funny may not be funny to the person you're poking fun at. Uh, he's got a problem here. This is not a small problem. Go back to what Herm Edwards said. Wait two seconds before you sit, before you hit send. I mean, but he's got a problem here. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, this suit that has been filed against him, uh, that's not. It's not small potatoes. It's the off season. You're not in a hurry. You'll get your food in another minute or two. Hey. But I mean, he's got a problem here. I probably should have asked Amy about this when she was on, whether she thinks Sean Davis going to have to pay. My gut feeling is he's going to have to come up with some sort of settlement here. Lesson learned. Let's see. Has anybody signed up for that curling thing? Ooh, looks a little lean. Hmm. Kevin well, maybe we just need we just need to get the word out. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.